Hey, beautiful people. This is Erica from the Behind the Silk podcast, a show dedicated to helping you, the busy millennial, prioritize self-care and elevate your skincare. Just the thought of juggling work, a social life, self-care, and a skincare routine, along with all the other stresses of daily life, makes me anxious. And I know I can't be the only one. So if you're ready to come along on a rediscovery journey and receive practical tips, expert advice, and hear some interesting stories I never thought would leave the archives, then definitely check out Behind the Silk podcast available on all podcast platforms. Now, let's get into the real reason that you're here. You're listening to the Black Girls Have Anxiety 2 podcast, where your host, Ashley Nas, has curated a safe space for Black women by Black women to strip away the taboo of talking about mental health, learn from mental health professionals, and share their own healing journeys. Welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Ashley Nas, and I am, per usual, really excited to bring you another great episode. Um, Today, I'm bringing you a conversation about psychotherapy, and you're probably like, Ashley, what are you talking about? Psychotherapy? No, I'm pronouncing it the right way. Psychotherapy. Um, And I've got a very special guest today on. uh, Her name is Dr. Fia Mbilishaka. And she is doing some amazing work um, in the area of mental wealth, (laughs) mental health and um, and hair and looking at the opportunities to integrate more mental wellness and more resources for mental health uh, into communities, into our community settings like barbershops and uh, beauty artists, makeup artists, hair salons. Um, all of those things. So let me tell y'all a little bit about Dr. Afia um, and what she does. Now, y'all, this woman is doing all the things. And I have to say, I had to read the bio twice because I was like, wow. Um, she has been a part of some influential historic moments uh, as of recent, which you'll find out in just a second. But she's been doing a lot of the work. And so I'm really excited to have uh, such a special guest on for you guys. Um, so let me get into her bio. Dr. Fia is a therapist, educator, research scientist, hair historian, and hairstylist at N Natural Hair Studio in Silver Spring, Maryland, um, where she loves creating art with locks, twists, and afros. She's the owner of Ma'at Psychological Services, uh, which is a private practice in D.C. focused on promoting balance and in restoring orders to the lives of her clients. Um, she focuses on understanding and using traditional African cultural r- rituals, Uh, for contemporary holistic mental health practices. She is a graduate of the University of uh, Pennsylvania, where she studied the psychological significance of race within lives and earned a PhD in clinical psychology from Howard University at the age of 26. Shout out to uh, everybody that went to Howard. I see y'all. She's uh, also the former Association of Black Psychologists DC chapter president. Um, She innovated the practice and research of psychotherapy, which I mentioned earlier. Um, This is where she's using hair as an entry point for mental health services and beauty salons and barbershops, as well as through social media. Um, She is the principal investigator of the psychotherapy research lab. She's published over 20 peer reviewed journal articles, 10 book chapters and two books. Uh, She's presented at over 40 universities and conferences. She has also been identified as a subject matter expert by the Senate and House of Representatives. She's testified nationally on behalf of the Crown Act, an anti-discrimination law to protect black hair. Uh, The Crown Act, if you don't already know, um, is a law that was recently passed uh, that protects students' rights to wear or treat their hair however they desire without the threat of racial discrimination or loss of access to school, participation in activities, and inclusion in opportunities inside and beyond classrooms. I mean, this is a major moment in history uh, here in America when it comes to black women being able to express themselves, uh, express their, express themselves through their hair um, without having somebody kick them out of school, suspend them. I mean, we all know that this has been an issue from day, right? This has been an issue for a long time. And so the fact that she has also been part of the Crown Act is pretty, um, it's pretty impactful. 
Um, she, as of right now, is leading cultural and mental health focused trips to Cuba and to various African countries. And she's also uh, leading psychotherapy certifications um, in a few different uh, fields like um, hair salons, barbershops. Uh, also, mental health professionals are taking those certifications. Um, and she's also spreading that out to makeup artists as well. So she is doing all the things. Um, I'm super excited to get into this conversation. Um, so yeah, I, I also will just want to thank y'all for following this black beauty series. This was, uh, literally a mustard seed <laughs> last year that I was like, let's just do a series on black beauty. Let's just roll with it. And, um, yeah, now I'm talking to somebody that, uh, literally is a subject matter expert and, um, had a part in the crown act that was passed here in the U.S. So I'm excited to bring y'all uh, this wonderful guest today. Let's get into this conversation with Dr. Fia. Hi, Dr. Fia. Welcome to Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. Hey. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm well. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. You're here. So I, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to talk about all things mental health and Black women and all of that today. Yes, I, I'm excited about this conversation um, before we jump into the, the good stuff, we, we have to do fast and curious. So if y'all are new to this podcast, fast and curious is where I throw a bunch of random questions. I don't want to call them icebreakers cause it sounds so corporate, but I throw a <laughs> bunch of random questions at my guests. Um, it just gives us a chance to get to know you. You give me your quickest answer, or if you have a story to tell, you can tell us the story. Okay. Got it. All right. Ready? Yes. Okay. What is your favorite flavor of ice cream? Ooh, I'm such a vanilla and I can't even really eat ice cream these days because I'm lactose intolerant. But back in the Same. day, I, I like a, a simple vanilla. Okay. <laughs> Nothing. No whipped cream. No. Cherry, okay. Like no. a Sunday, Of course. I growing okay. up, I loved going to friendlies. I don't know if you had that growing up, but no. they, they have like these humongous Sundays and that was definitely a special treat. Oh, ice cream sundae. Yeah, I my stomach does not like dairy either. So I haven't enjoyed like a, an actual milkshake in forever. <sighs> it's okay, though. You know, we'll just go with the with the alternatives, I guess. <laughs> Where is your favorite place that you've traveled to? Hmm. I, I'm going to say Cuba. Um, going to Havana, Ooh. Cuba. I've been there five times. I actually was there when the pandemic started and had to leave. Oh, wow. um, I was there with a study abroad group of psychology majors, my students, but I kept going back. I haven't been back since, but Havana, Cuba specifically, I just, it's a whole vibe. Oh my gosh. That's so cool that you've gotten to go there so many times, especially because it was like, nobody could go there for what was it? 20 years mm -hmm. or longer, like these embargoes. Yeah. And so it's, yeah. it's almost like, a place that's so crystallized in tradition and the past that that's why I like it so much because everybody's not yeah. on their phones. You literally have to go to a special park to even get on Instagram or anything like that. So I like being unplugged. I think that's why too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I need to go there just for that reason. <laughs> Throw my phone, leave my phone in the room. That'd be amazing. I feel like there's very few places in the world that are that secluded and that kind of frozen in time. Mm -hmm. I appreciate the culture so is strong. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's on my list now. Adding it to my list. Um, what is the app that you use the most on your phone? I'll go with Instagram. I don't know why I spend as much time as I do. I, I give the excuse because I'm a business owner, but I'm not always doing business things, but, but I'll go with Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I use that excuse too. I'm like, I'm checking out my podcast. No, I'm looking at cat videos. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay so what is your favorite hairstyle that you've had mm. it's funny it's probably what I'm wearing right now I like just a, a simple... which is really cute by the way thank you I, I, I wear a lot of wash and goes and then as the days progress I, I just wear a pi pineapple and considering mm. that that's more of a style to sleep in but I'll put that into sleep and then wake up and don't take it out so this is this is my uh, look for the day because it's the easiest like to do. 
I like it. It just like frames your face really beautifully. Thank you. So Thank you. yes. Okay, so I know that back in the day you started doing hair a long time ago. Do you remember the first person's hair that you did? Mm, I'm gonna go with my sister. We shared a room. She's seven years older than me. But I guess she was pretty adventurous and let an elementary school kid style her hair for high school. Um, I definitely remember doing her hair for like special days at school or award ceremonies. And she just let me take that curling iron and make all types of uh, looks for her. So I'll, I'll say my sister. Wow. <laughs> that is pretty. Yeah, that's pretty brave. I feel like for a high school, it'd be like, yeah, come and do my hair for, you know, spirit day or something. That is pretty brave, but you must have been doing a really good job. Yeah, that was I case. must have, because like for a nine-year-old to be using a curling iron, it must I must have been paying attention to my mom or sister using it. And I'm like, let me try. And they, I guess, felt it. They, they were courageous. Courageous. Yes. <laughs> it was worth the risk, though. Yes. Worth the risk. Um, if you could style anyone's hair in history, it could be a celebrity. It could be, um, you know, somebody that you knew in your past. You can choose anybody. You can do any hairstyle on them. Who are you choosing and what hairstyle are you Ooh. doing? Okay. I'll get real historical. I think I'd like to do Madam C.J. Walker's hair, who is you know, the first black millionaire in the United States with her hair products. And I think I'd like to do a flat twist updo on her. She really did a lot of protective styles and updos, updos but I never saw any parts in there. And so I think mm. I could create like a really nice design um, with the parts. And I just would want to hear how, how did she do it from her words. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I'll go with Madam C.J. Walker. And I love that you. answer. <laughs> I love that answer. That is so good. I would love to have a conversation with her because that would be amazing. Yeah, you, you can. To... I, I got um, I had somebody do a visualization with me the other not other day, maybe the other month. I went to a workshop. And I was, I was in my mind talking to her. So I think that's lingering from a few wow. weeks ago. Oh, that's very cool. That's very cool. I want to know, um, what is the last song that you listened to? I was listening to Victoria Monet. Now, what mm. was the song while I was getting ready? I'm trying to think what it was. Um, it's one with Buju, Buju Banton. Um, Oh, um, yeah. Party Girls. Party Girls, yeah. I don't know yes. why I was listening to that before having a podcast. I love that song. <laughs> Shout out to her. She's really come up yeah. in the past year. Yeah, because I was a like, fan from hearing the, the first time I heard Victoria Monet was on um, Insecure. I think it was season four when Issa was cleaning up her apartment. I don't know. Yes. Maybe it was season three. Maybe it was season three. One of those. Season three, the last episode of season three when Issa was cleaning her apartment. And they had just watched The Last Dragon. And mm-hmm. then uh, Victoria Monet did the remake of the, um, the Glow from The Last Dragon, which is, you know, early 80s. Mm-hmm. But then I made that my song on my phone for, like, the alarm. So I wake up to that for, like, the past five years. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's, that's so cool. I didn't know that was her singing. But those insecure, um, like, I don't know if you call them soundtracks, but I used to go to Spotify and like download the playlist once the season ended because the songs, shout out to Issa and whoever was picking the songs for all the episodes of Insecure because they were on point. They were. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's okay. So I've got one last question for you. Um, I usually ask, you know, if you have five people at a table, you have five spaces at a table. Who would you choose to have a conversation with? And I usually say past, present, or fictional. But I want to change it up today oh, okay. because of the nature of this conversation. I'm going to keep the this table of five people, right? I usually say it's put it in your favorite restaurant or like your favorite, you know, place that you love to eat, your favorite meal. We're going to switch it up and I want you to put it in your favorite place to do hair. So it could be a salon that you grew up in. It could be like, I don't know, your you and your sister's room from when you were little. I want you to envision that place for your favorite place that you've done here or to do here now. And there are five, we're going to keep the five seats. I want you to pick five people, past, present, or fictional, 
that you would have a conversation about psychotherapy with. Oh my gosh. Why did I get chills? Okay. <laughs> so I would say the location would be my favorite salon that I've ever worked in, which is N Natural Hair Studio in Silver Spring, Maryland, um, owned by the Angela Walker. Uh, I remember going there my first time and just knew, knowing I wanted to work there because of how good it smelled and the conversation and just the aesthetics and there was a vibe. All right. So five people. Five people. Fictional. Oh, okay. All right. I'll mm -hmm. go with number one. I would want <laughs> Malcolm X. He's coming to me in this moment um, because in reading the autobiography of Malcolm X by um, Alex Haley, he talks about his hair actually quite a lot in that book um, in terms mm. of the transitioning styles that he had. Um, even the fact that he was called Detroit Red is because of his unique hair color, which was like this bright red. Um, and I would want to hear how he like, like they're giving me advice. I'm just talking to telling them about it. It's a conversation. Oh, conversation. So you're okay. telling them about okay. it, and then there's a conversation. Whatever conversation ensues, that's what happens. Okay, because I, I would want him to weigh in and give me feedback about it. But just the way that he communicated, expressed himself, advocated for black people, their wellness and healing, um, I think that he, he'd be good to have on the board <laughs> for psychotherapy. Oh, I like that. Um, okay, so that's one. Two. Well, I have to go with Madam C.J. Walker. I was just bringing her up. I was going to say, you got to bring her back. Yeah, I have to have Madam C.J. Walker <laughs> in terms of just how she revolutionized black hair care. And um, I think she had such a unique approach to understanding money and economic systems that she had um, over 100,000 employees at the by the time she died mm. and just even managing it. They were all like black women. And so I think that that's a really unique approach and just getting her tips and tricks of marketing and things like yeah. that. Okay, so Madam CJ Walker, Malcolm X. Oh, gosh, pressure. Then I'd probably say my favorite black female psychiatrist, who's an, also an ancestor, it's just looking like ancestors right now, would be um, Dr. That's okay. <laughs> Dr. Francis Cress Welsing. So Dr. Francis Cress Welsing um, wrote the ISIS papers, uh, um, color, Cress Color Confrontation Theory. And so she's a famous psychiatrist that was based in the Washington, D.C. area. And she developed all these theories about how racism impacts black minds and bodies. Um, using a lot of like psychological theories to make it relevant to breaking down racism in current tense and how to com combat those things. And so um, I definitely think part of my hair research and work is to address uh, how racism impacts us, but through hair. Whew, oh my gosh, okay, two left. This, two this left. is a good looking table. You got two seats left. This is an amazing table so far. Ooh. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. Ooh. And it can be anybody. It can be like a family member. It could be somebody from present day. Okay. This is a random one. You're going to say like, mm -hmm. what does he have to do with anything? But I'm just a huge fan. Usher? Uh, <laughs> I just Okay. <laughs> We've never had Usher, but we'll take him. Usher, if you're <laughs> listening to this right now, please talk to me about psychotherapy. So I was in high school had the biggest usher crush and i think i just want to meet him period and have a conversation but he really knows how to stand the test of time because if i was in high school in the 90s and he's still very relevant today um just yeah. to think about how to make things endure and to reinvent yourself and to um stay up to date with aesthetics and um uh, fashion and yes. um stay so moisturized and healthy looking <laughs> sorry i don't tell my husband maybe he'll listen to this but just just you know really someone who's like perfect perfected their craft um yeah. and just can give insight about uh like public presentation and um yeah taking care of yourself like even his skincare routine i'm sure is amazing um oh yeah it's it great yeah he's glistening yes. all the time He's never going to look ashy. You've never seen Usher look ashy never. or his hair look dry. Never. Like, that's just not what he does. 
Yeah. Okay. Oh, I like that. Okay, so we're covering all aspects of the business. We got like the the branding coming from Usher. We've got Malcolm X on the board. You know, Madam C.J. Walker giving us marketing advice. And Dr. Wilson, your dad was a psychiatrist. Dr. Wilson, okay. yes. All right. Yes. So my last. Oh, okay, we got person. one last oh my seat. Gosh. Uh-huh. Hmm. Wow. It's funny. I'm like, should it be a family member? <sighs> okay. Whoever you want to join you. Hmm. Okay, I'm gonna go with my niece. I'm gonna okay. go with my niece. So I have a 17 year old niece who's applying to colleges and she wants to become a psychologist. And I think that this would be my attempt to um, impact the next generation. So with all these ancestors or elders or usher that I really wanna make sure that that hair and mental health intersection gets, um, endures, it, it, it gets passed on to the next generation. She wants to be a psychologist. I've had her be an intern for psychotherapy in the past. And so oftentimes when I post things on social media, I have her in mind, would she get any information from this? Would she approve of this? (laughs) And so I think that I have her um, on my board in my head as well in terms of um, her curiosity and really wanting to address black girls' anxiety. She's very open that she has to navigate that on a daily basis and to be very clear that that's part of the goal and the agenda to um, alleviate that stress and anxiety from people's lives. Oh, wow. I love that. That that is a well-rounded table, Dr. Fia. That is a well-rounded table. We're going to clap it up for that table because, (laughs) wow, I would, I would like to be there. I can be in the back. I don't need a mic. I don't need (laughs) it. I just want to observe and listen and learn. But thank you for playing Fast and Curious. Now, that was probably the slowest Fast and Curious that I've ever done. (laughs) However, I I feel like it was worth it. I feel like it was very much worth the answers that we got. So thank you for sharing. That was the whole podcast. (laughs) It's over now. Okay. Yeah, it's over. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Thanks for listening. (laughs) I want to get into, um, you know, the reason why you're here, which is talking about the connection between mental health and hair. And I know when I, um, you know, another member in the community, shout out to Melissa from Not Just Hair Project. Um, I had a conversation with her and she was like, there's this woman, she created doctor, uh, she created a psychotherapy and her name is Dr. Thea and you have to, you have to look her up. So I went on this hunt to find you <laughs> to, and I was like, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to cross my fingers. Maybe she'll, maybe she'll reply. So I, again, really appreciate you coming today, but I really wanted to talk about um, the work that you're doing in psychotherapy, this 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 thing that this project that you created, this initiative that you have. Can you tell us what is the meaning of psychotherapy? Yes, I can. So psychotherapy is using hair as an entry point into mental health care. So it's that intersection of hair and mental health. Um, and so I used the term <laughs> psychotherapy and just inserted hair into the middle of it. Um, and so that's something that I've been using that word since uh, graduate school when I was a PhD student at Howard. Wow. So this word has like been floating around for a long time before it's like become this initiative now. Yes, I, I'm. it's getting up there. Um, it first developed, I think I first thought of that, that this work in 2001 when I was an undergrad um, and loved doing hair and was a psych major. So, but I didn't think I, the word came till grad school. <laughs> oh, that's very cool. So I want to roll it back a little bit more. I know we talked a little bit about Madam CJ Walker, even talked about Malcolm X and his relationship with his hair um, that you learned from his biography. Are there, is there a particular point in history that you feel has had a major positive impact on the way black women in particular view their beauty? Yes, yes. I think in the 1960s and 70s, particularly with the black power movement, also the black is beautiful movement. Um, So people went from literally being called Negro or color to self-identifying as black or African. And with that change in consciousness, there was a change in aesthetics that people wanted to wear their hair natural and wear it proudly. 
um, that people stopped chemically straightening their hair. And my mom likes to say it's the first natural hair movement um, that happened Mm. then where people really saw their hair as a political statement about um, their identity and their allegiance to African liberation. So I think that that was so revolutionary at the time. And literally, it was the uniform of revolutionaries, whether it was the Black Panther Party or otherwise, that people wanted to embrace their natural texture. Um, And I think that's impacted generations since then. Yeah, I agree 100%. Like, that has had a trickle-down effect throughout the decades. Um, I love that you call it the first natural hair movement because I was, like, working on this series yesterday and I was like, you know, one of my topics and one of some of my notes were about like, okay, the natural hair movement or, or like the big chop, things like that. And I was like, I don't think this is just like a recent thing. I don't think I can really like, yes, there's been an era recently where natural hair has, has made a resurgence and been embraced again. And especially like having locks or having, you know, wearing your hair loose and, um, it's so interesting that it is the first natural hair movement and is in the sixties. But then we think about all this other time where there was so much restriction and limitation on how we could express ourselves. Um, so I, I then fast forward it to like, okay, now we are gaining this confidence to be free with our expression, no matter how we want to wear it. And now we have these communities um, whether it be in the barbershop, whether it be in the salons. Um, and it makes me think of, you know, how the conversations that are being had and how important those conversations in those spaces. I want to get here from your perspective, especially you being um, both in the hair space and the mental wellness space. Um, how important is community in those types of spaces where we're focused on either hair or beauty in the black community. Mm, It's so critical. I think we don't heal in isolation. It's impossible, right? Um, And so to think about how people can come together and carefully craft community focused on care. Um, I used to work in a lot of university environments and it was always about community building and outreach and collaboration Um, And so the conversations that we have with each other and creating these shared understandings is really what is healing both for our hair and for our mental health. Mm, Yes, I love that. And the fact that I feel like we kind of need those spaces. Like for me, those spaces existed in um, not necessarily me getting my hair done in a salon, but I was like from the era where you get your braids done at somebody's house and you're sitting on the the floor of somebody's couch. (laughs) And that was what it looked like. So, but I remember the conversations, like people from the neighborhood coming in and it is very much, I I feel like it's very much a black experience that other cultures may not be able to relate to. Mm. Um, When was the first time you realized there was a connection or an opportunity for connection to connect mental health in spaces like salons or barbershops? Um, well, the idea uh, came came to me from doing lots of hair. So having a lawn chair set up in my aunt's backyard and just doing relatives hair and having these conversations, then translating that to my college dorm room. And I remember um, talking to my aunt on the phone one day and telling her I wasn't sure what I wanted to do after I graduated. I was majoring in psychology and also loved doing hair. And she said, well, why can't you do both? I don't think she was telling me to do both at the same exact time, but that's the way I interpreted it and thought, hmm, all of those hair care experiences are basically based in mental health, the conversations, the affirming touch, the um, like sort of this wellness we don't touch in mental health services, but <laughs> the, yeah. the, the um, care and um, processing of feelings and information. Um, But it it makes me think about when I was in college, too, I did a lot of mentorship. There was an organization um, called Ashe that on Saturdays, these kids from um, various schools in the Philadelphia area would come to our dorm room and we could like hang out with them and talk to them about life. But I noticed my mentees when their hair was not 
done, how they were like completely different people. And I'm like, what's going on? And, and the only thing that I could see that was different was that they had taken their braids out and their hair by itself was there, which was shorter or not styled. Um, and it really became a part of us having conversations about what to do when their hair is not done. So that, this memory is coming back to me in that way. But um, that's what's happening all the time in the salon and barbershop space that these transformative experiences entering one way and um, leaving looking better <laughs> than yeah. when you came in and how uh, that transform transformation can work the other way, too. Mm. Um, for you in in life was there a particular point where that you remember maybe in childhood or even in adulthood that your own mental health may have been affected by your outward appearance or the way people were perceiving you um do you remember any particular point where that was the case hmm. i feel like you were always styled you know styled up with your hair done if you were doing everybody's hair from like middle school <laughs> elementary school yeah, I, my my hair often was done. The thing is, I was on the swim team, and that impacted um, if my mm. hair was styled, so that uh, <laughs> I I had to care for it extra because it was wet all the time. This is probably why I like washing goes now in adulthood because I had to figure out a style that fit my lifestyle. But um, yeah, I would actually probably lean more into the aesthetic of weight. Um, I feel mm. like I definitely am a stress eater and mm. even during the pandemic, my weight fluctuated significantly because of the stress and I noticed myself not wanting to, um, show more than this square of the computer because yeah. of how much my stomach was protruding or, um, I wasn't exercising. I was eating so much processed foods. And so only over the past few months have I really been navigating my feelings so that I don't have to like eat those things. So actually I've been meeting with like nutritionists and things like that to figure out what um, de-stresses my body because it's, it's sugar makes sugar in my body yeah, don't same. mix. But to even yeah. think about what like a holistic lifestyle looks like that includes figuring out my emotions so that my body doesn't have to pay the score of unprocessed feelings. But I, I bring that up in terms of just being so closed off during the pandemic and then like coming and going out to events. I'm like, this doesn't fit anymore. And just feeling self-conscious about even now I'm in my forties and just weight works differently <laughs> at this time yeah. versus like feeling like in the past I was like fit and in shape and ready to go. But now just even navigating um, this stage of adulthood feels a bit different yeah yeah is I know you mentioned that talking to nutritionists is help is there is that something that you like have brought up in that is that a conversation that's come up like in hair spaces for you absolutely there's a huge connection between getting enough nutrients in our hair health I think people are not eating enough fruits and vegetables a day I don't think people mm -hmm. are drinking enough water um, mm -hmm. which again that impacts your emotional health and your hair health. So it's interesting. I always say that sleeping, exercise, eating um, lots of fruits and vegetables and drinking water are the same things to promote hair health as mental health. So as you have to take care of yourself and invest these things. I'm even doing a challenge right now where it might sound simple, but to me, I'm like, okay, I'm like, I have to drink a minimum of 64 ounces of water a day. I have to have at least four, four to five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. I have to sleep at least seven to eight hours a night. Like it's, I'm being so intentional. And these are at yeah. the core, the basis that, you know, these, uh, the American, uh, this college of medicine says that these are yeah. the minimum things that you have to do to take care of yourself, but it's not integrated into most people's lifestyles. So I'm being super focused and intentional on like getting basic needs met, which can impact hair health. <laughs> yeah. The, the, it's so interesting that there's so many connections between like our physical health, our mental health, our hair health. Now that we're seeing that, I know for me, it was like taking enough vitamins and like being yeah. aware of like the amount of minerals that I'm missing and the amount oh. of um, like vitamins that I'm missing, but also not only how like things like vitamin D3 affect my mental health in a positive way, but also 
you know, taking like flaxseed oil or even primrose oil, taking it internally and seeing how much it affects not just like my skin and my hair, but also like my reproductive system and like helping oh, to cramp. So don't get me started everything on is that. connected. Yep. For black <laughs> women and fibroids, I know I had to get yes. um, a myomectomy. So to even think about just stress levels and even with yeah. that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what, what are some of the, the topics that come up for you? Maybe even just recent topics um, that are coming up for you um, in the hair space. Well, it's interesting. I, I haven't been actually going to the salon um, and working okay. there. So so I've been doing so much virtual work, but it's still <laughs> the topics are coming up. Um, people are stressed. People yeah. are extremely stressed um, about everything, relationships, <laughs> jobs, their health. And so that does show up in the hair, right? In terms of there's a big connection between stress levels and hair loss or even a big piece of not having the drive or motivation to do one's hair, one feeling very depressed. That comes up a lot in conversation and just needing support and help um, detangling hair and things like that. So that is a hot topic. I want to get into... um psychotherapy certifications because again you're doing this very unique work um and tying the tying these two worlds together so what are what does a psychotherapy certification entail and who who can take that certification (laughs) so the psychotherapy certification is right now a virtual experience that can last from eight to 12 hours, depending on the basic needs that you're trying to address. Um, It happens in a group format and the majority of people who take it are hair care professionals, but also we have people who are not even in the hair industry, but just recognize that hair can be helpful in their healing process, whether they're a teacher or a therapist or a yoga instructor or whatever the discipline, they recognize that the people that they connect to in service also are negotiating hair and mental health topics. So um, the psychotherapy certification happens in a three module format. The first module is the history of our hair where I go through thousands and thousands of years of hair history. I take people on a time machine of hair Mm. to really understand historical context. People really like that part. I go deep into it. Um, The next module is identifying the signs and symptoms of mental illness in communities of color. So recognizing that um, the DSM, the book that contains all the different psychological diagnoses, it has an implicit client, like usually a white, male, heterosexual, wealthy, Christian person um, that doesn't necessarily fit and generalize to everyone. And so understanding that depression on a black woman can look look a bit different than what's described in the book. Um, so going into that. And then finally, the last part is focused on psychotherapy skills, which is micro counseling skills. So how to engage in active listening to make sure that someone feels heard and understood. It can include how to share your insights or perspectives with people without pushing it on someone. It can um, include uh, how to refer someone to therapy uh, and the different types of therapists that exist. Also, that last module is even how to assess for harm, harm to self, harm to others, self-injury, self-injurious behaviors and things like that. Um, So it's quite comprehensive. So I took my years of being a therapist and a hair care professional and condensed it into this curriculum. Wow, that's amazing. And I love that you tie history all the way up to like you said, micro counseling, which is Let's get into micro counseling. Can you like describe, give us a little bit more information about what is micro counseling? Okay, micro counseling. Well, I think the biggest premise is understanding that about 70% of our communication is nonverbal, right? Mm. So understanding how we move, um, how our face is this communication muscle, how our hair is even a complex language system in and of itself, um, expressing things about people's identities and personalities through hair. But micro counseling is really about um, paying attention to not only the words, but to the feelings, right? 
So understanding the content of what somebody's saying, but also the meaning behind it. Noticing how silence plays into conversation and take, can take up space in a conversation as well. Um, using, uh, just even know how, knowing how close or how far to stand from somebody or um, to negotiate eye contact, right? Mm-hmm. So in terms of having culturally informed eye contact. So all of these different skills being super important to how someone establish rapport or a connection but also um, trust and insight and space to, to talk and get certain feelings out and as well as to ask literally the basic cliche therapist thing is how someone is actually feeling. Yeah, it's a very holistic awareness, I feel like is what, what you described, like not only verbally asking, but being aware of body language and all the things that are included in these like interactions that we're having with people. Exactly. And so as far as the people that I know you mentioned that there are um, hair professionals, occasionally you have mental health professionals that come in and participate or people outside of both of those realms, teachers. And I think you mentioned during our first conversation that you also have men from barbershops. Yes. I want to get into that a little (laughs) bit because I think that's so cool that in this space where, you know, when I my first thought is like, you know, I'm looking through the website and then we had a conversation and I was like, oh, I forgot about barbershops. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, y'all that are at barbershops or own a barbershop or are barber. But I think when we think about beauty, it is when I think about beauty, I won't put it on anybody else. Oftentimes when I think about black beauty, I'm thinking about black women. I'm a bias because I am one, but also I think we often forget these same types of conversations are also happening in barbershops where there is black men, maybe there is like mass presenting black women in there, maybe there's people that are kind of gender fluid in there, but there are a whole nother section of our community that are utilizing these spaces. And I think it's really cool that they're also participating in these certifications. Yes, yes. I definitely believe that um, barbershops can be a black man's country club in terms of the conversations and the care that's happening in that space and even luxury. I I actually argued that um, in an article that men think about hair grooming more than women in the sense of beards and lineups and fades that... I know for me, my husband goes to the barbershop way more than I go to the hair salon. It's just a more yeah. frequent service that's required and therefore more contact with a hair care professional. Uh, I try to do stuff myself, so I don't even go as much or I'll follow somebody on Instagram or YouTube to, to uh, try out the styles that they're doing on themselves. But I think it's really important to think about you know, between those clippers, the, the insight and perspective that happens, even in the movie um, Soul, that Disney movie that it, it ha- he had oh, like some transformative experience um, in a barbershop. And it's a cartoon about a black man negotiating existential topics of life and purpose. And he has like mm-hmm. a really great conversation in the barbershop. And so the, the, that is certainly sacred space. And barbers are definitely healers and helpers. So um, just wanting to make sure that they have that mental health first aid training that's not necessarily part of the barbering school, but part of the barber barbering profession. Yes. Wow. You are doing amazing work. I hope that you I hope that you recognize that. Um, (laughs) I want to talk about like what are some of the upcoming certifications that you're that that you're doing right now that are available for people to, to enroll in? OK, well, it's interesting. I'm, I'm trying a new certification mm-hmm. <laughs> January 15th. I'm going to be offering my first ever mental health sk- skills for makeup artists. So mental health skills for makeup artists, because oftentimes when I talk to makeup artists, they're like, what about us? Like you're still yeah. focused on hair. So I'm trying out on January 15th a virtual class. But otherwise, I have scheduled a monthly class that's virtual, um, synchronous class, um, January, February, March, April, May. It's all on the website in terms of the specific times and dates. Um, Some are weekends, some are weekdays, some are mornings, some are evenings, just so that it can fit um, people's schedules. So you could go to psychotherapy.org and see the calendar 
of all the upcoming. I'm not going to say the dates just in case anything changes. Okay. Check out the website. Okay. <laughs> but for Go to 2024 the <laughs> um, to see all the classes that we're offering. And last year, my most successful class, I think, maybe <laughs> uh, uh, combined like 200 people might have taken this class was an introduction to black psychology. So to even mm. think about um, these culturally specific uh, psychological techniques and theories that I felt like people needed to go needed to know and people really showed up. It was all virtual for that one as well. So I'm thinking about bringing it back. I'm thinking about bringing that. I think one. you should bring it back because like I feel like I need to be in that class. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, need, I feel like I need to take all these certifications. I feel like I need to be in this class. Yeah. Yes. I, I want you to have voting to okay. bring it back. Okay. <laughs> I, I'll have to talk to my board of Malcolm X and Adam C.J. Walker yes. about this. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Consult the board and let me know what you guys come up with. On your website, I also saw that um, under your services, you offer psychotherapy listening hours. What is that? Because that sounds very interesting. It sounds like another area of like a mental health resource that you're offering yes so so it's we've had a slow rollout for that one so hopefully it will be in full regular schedule for 2024 but i actually got the idea from when i worked in a college counseling center so i worked at barnard college of columbia university in new york and um me as a staff psychologist i would go to a college dorm room and sit in one of the reserved rooms for about four hours on thursday nights where anyone could walk in and share whatever concern they were having. And we'd have like a mini therapy session. And so I wanted that to translate to uh, the virtual space and the hair care space that if anybody just wanted to drop in, no, nothing to schedule, um, just to have ongoing conversations and care and support. This can happen at the individual level in terms of if you just need a one-on-one -on -one and me and my team can um, divvy up who needs the one-on-one -on -one versus actually having group space and to be able to process it. Um, I also recently got certified to be um, a group facilitator for something called the Sal Bona Healing Circles. So I'm a part of the Association of Black Psychologists, and this is just a, um, encouraging a virtual space when a lot of uh, police brutality happens or things like that, just to have a regular ongoing space for people to process how they're feeling collectively. So those are the listening hours that it's not a prescriptive, this is what we're talking about today, or you can only talk about these topics, but just creating space. Because I think a big challenge that people don't know where to find mental health care or free mental health care. And so that this is sort of our community opportunity to process and connect. Wow. So how, that that's amazing. How, what do you like to do outside of all of this? Like, what are some of your hobbies? Because I don't know how you have time to do anything else you are doing a lot of amazing work um and i just want to applaud you for for that mm -hmm. i think that like psychotherapy is a genius concept it's one of those things where like you read it and you're like oh that makes like yeah that of course there's an intersection but it's it takes somebody putting in a lot of time um to develop you know the certifications and to do the outreach so i know that's not an easy thing to do so i just want to like give you give you your roses today um and i hope that people are, that are listening um you know are inspired by this and you know if you're a hair professional or you you know your mom is a hair professional your auntie your uncle whoever <laughs> spread the word about this because i think this this is a really powerful way to start to insert some more mental health support within our community in ways that are really accessible um, in ways that are affordable because you're already paying for your service. And, you know, I think that they, this is just another really, really pivotal opportunity within our community. So shout out to you, Aww, Dr. Fia. Thank you. You're welcome. I've got one last question okay. for you. What does black beauty mean to you? Mm, everything. <laughs> well, I, it's interesting. A few weeks ago, I looked up the word beauty because I use it so frequently and it was defined as something that pleases the intellect. So I think black beauty is a feeling. I think black beauty are thoughts um, as well as the aesthetic that embraces um, skin, hair textures, facial features, body types that are reflective of the diversity across the African diaspora. Um, so it means um, 
love and, and um, alignment. Mm, love and alignment. I love that. Thank you so much, Dr. Fiat. This has been an amazing conversation. Um, I'm super excited to follow psychotherapy and follow the work that you're doing. Um, and hopefully, fingers crossed, we can get you back on here at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much. I appreciate you being part of the Black Beauty Hair series that, that I'm doing. I think this is a super important, you know, this is a way that we can see people doing the work. And um, the fact that you've just made this connection is, is amazing. So, yes, kudos to you. Thank you. Thank yes. you for creating this space. Of course, of course. I'm here to stay, y'all. <laughs> All right, Dr. Fia, thank you again for joining. To everybody that's listening, um, I hope that you're enjoying the Black Beauty series. If you um, want to connect with Dr. Fia, Make sure that you check out all the links in the description. Make sure that you follow her. If you are, are, are a black, um, a black, you don't have to be a black profession, hair professional. If you are a hair professional in general, actually, if you are not a black, if you're not a black mental health professional, this could be a great way to throw in some of the, um, now I'm forgetting the word, but this, this could be a great way to throw in some of that cultural, uh, awareness training, you know? Stretch your arms out, get to know, get a, get a better understanding of what hair uh, and what beauty, uh, what impacts that it has had historically on black people. And this might be able to allow you to connect with people a little bit better. Um, I meant to ask you about that earlier, but it's okay. We ran out of time. <laughs> but um, in all seriousness, if you guys are interested, make sure you reach out. Go to her website. There's lots of amazing work, uh, things that, that are going on. Sign up, follow her on all the things. And um, yeah, I hope that you uh, continue to listen to this Black Beauty series because I've got more good stuff coming for you. All right, I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. No matter where you are in the world, I really appreciate your support. See you again on the next episode, but until then, follow us on Instagram at Black Girls Have Anxiety 2 and on Twitter at Anxious Black Girls. That's Anxious BLK Girls. And remember, just because you're struggling doesn't mean you have to struggle in silence. The more we talk about it, the more we heal. <laughs>